welcome to episode 102 of the Muck Podcast. A member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary! Did you notice something? I'm sorry. What what, what did you say? (laughs) We are now a member. Oh! Member of Odd Pods. Not just an affiliate. No. Ooh. We're not out there on the fringes. We've been we welcomed into the hearth board. of the home. Is yeah, that inner right? circle. <laughs> inner circle with Odd Pods. Take me into your bosom, Odd Pods media. <laughs> Hold me close to your chest. Let me hear oh. your heartbeat. Ooh. Oh, oh poetry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is an incredible offer. Like our, oh my. We were on this trial period as an affiliate. Yes. Like, let's see how these ladies do. Let's see if they can handle the the hot water. And we passed with flying colors, bitch, because yes. we have been and welcomed. What, and what was the thing back in the day? They like me. They really like <laughs> yeah. me. Do you know what that's from? <laughs> it's Sally Field. Oh, it? She's <laughs> accepting an Academy Award. You like me. You yeah. really, how sad is that? Oh this whole speech. My but iconic, God. bitch. Iconic. I forgot who said it, but I remember that was a thing. (laughs) I mean, and I guess they do, which is very cool. It's so exciting. I feel honored. Listen, I I have nothing but respect for all of these shows. I'm so excited to be a part of this network and to represent them. I always like... I want to say I work harder because I know that Odd Pod's name is on it, but I work just as hard as I did. <laughs> I'm given nothing extra. Oh, <laughs> but we love, we love the group. We yes. love being part of this. I can't wait to see like where oh, this honey, leads. Yes. yes. Ah! And we get to meet all of our friends and Odd Pods. I'm super stoked oh, yeah. about that. Is everyone going to Podfest? I mean, listen. Oh. Podfest? P.S. I asked the Cardassian guys because I did I tell you oh I'm, I'm one of their patrons and on oh their, yes on the top shelf of their Patreon Patreon um you get a live Q and A with them like, like on this. Zoom and so I was in there all by myself with these Ooh. boys hello hi hi and uh, oh wait did um did did Nick have his mustache. No, he did not have a mustache, but I did. Joe had a mustache. Oh, and when I got to the bottom of my questions on my list, I said, "Well, the only things I have left are inappropriate things about Joe's mustache." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I don't know how well because Nick went now over. has a mustache. I heard. Yeah, I've seen all these posts yes, about it. Yes, <laughs> listen, I'm here for it. I, I love like, a good mustache. I feel like um, we are kindred spirits. You and Nick. Yes. Totally. Yeah. He was very sweet. Like when this thing opens up, you know, when you listen to a podcast every week, it's, it's so fucking weird to like know to see them, the people, to yeah. see them and have met them. Right. And I didn't get to meet Nick, but I met Joe and, uh, and Rob, but Nick was super sweet. The first thing he said to me was, I really appreciate how open you are on the podcast, like about the divorce Aww. and everything. He's like, I'm sure it helps people. I'm like, dude, that's so cool. Which I have heard from a bunch of people, but, um, he's such a sweetheart. Anyway, I asked them about Podfest. Are they coming? Eh, they didn't seem too interested. Excuse me. <laughs> they were interested. Excuse here's the, me. Here's the thing. They were interested in coming to Florida and hanging out with us, but I don't know if they're interested in going to Podfest. No, you got to go to Podfest. <laughs> What's the point? Well, What's the point? We could party. I mean, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're all seem to be very into Disney, like going to like oh. a whole Disney like a theme park yeah, maybe. No. no, Tina's not into this. No. What about the Epcot drinking bit? Would you do that? Oh, maybe. I'd have never okay. been. I've never, I've never been, done that. I've, I've never, never done even that been to Epcot. I've been, but it's years ago. I think I've been to Disney World. I know I went on like a field trip for eighth grade, like when yeah. you drive in on the bus and you yes. drive home. Yes. Maybe one other time. Oof. I did Universal though. Like I used to do yes. Universal because, you know, when I was like, you know, late teens, early twenties because of the rides. Right, right. But Disney, I'm like, eh. Yeah. 
I mean, what's there? Like the teacups? Right. That's what I, I mean, I really feel like my family has moved into the universal phase of yes. our lives because they're, they, they're here for the Marvel stuff and Harry Potter Simpsons and the Jurassic World. Park, <laughs> Simpsons ride, all that stuff. So it's like, they're not really, well, I took them to Disney a couple months ago the, to Magic Kingdom. Disney was always just Disney. If you grew up here in like the eighties, Disney World is Magic Kingdom. Like, yeah, we never I went. Still call that Disney. Oh, we went all. We went yeah, every summer. My parents never took me to Disney. Oh, my mom with those tinfoil peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> and we want a hot dog. She's like, yeah, here's your fucking melt, <laughs> melted peanut butter and jelly. That's what my husband and I do when we go anywhere with yeah. the kids. We're like, oh, let's Tina. smuggle in the food. Yeah. Oh, guess what? I took my kids to the movies last night. We went to see uh, West Side Story. So good, by the way. Although I have to, I have to talk about that movie for a second. That's that whole. The, there's a, a like a situation in that that movie. I don't fucking understand the story, but I I we we bought box candy before we went in, and I usually have like a big purse, but I didn't. I had my little fanny pack, you know, honey. Yeah, I, I don't think pack. they care if you bring candy in. You know what? My kids had blankets, and my son like wrapped up his box yeah. candy and was like holding it as a baby, and I was like, "You're too suspicious." I had to show him how to hold it. He's like, "This is so much fun." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god!" I ha- but I you're have, right. I don't think they, they would don't have care because I have I have students, yeah, who work at the theater, and this is what they told me. They said, "Don't ever buy popcorn." At the mm. movie theater. Oh no! Don't tell me that. Please. Yeah. Why? No, just, no, 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 no. Just because it sits there, like it just—it's old. Oh, um, I love movie popcorn. I know. Well, Dang I don't know. It. But then I was like, I always sneak it, and they're like, "Yeah, it's everybody, like nobody cares." Yeah, I once went to the movies and had a bag, and they they asked me to open it, I, and it was full of shit. And they're like, "Go ahead." The guy's yeah, like, "Who I gives mean, a fuck?" I'm getting paid ten dollars <laughs> an hour to fucking maybe to fucking sit here. Yeah, like, forget. It. I don't care. Care. Um. Here's the thing about West Side Story. My so- my daughter and I watched the original movie like Maria. over the summer. Yeah, yeah. I once met a girl yes. named Maria. <laughs> da, 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 da. It's so fucking. Do good. they do the, the songs same so songs? Good. Yeah, it's oh, it's oh, it's exactly like the first movie, but it's just updated and it's very good. Except here's the fucking thing: Uh-oh. if you don't know the story, is that Maria falls for this guy named Tony and. Um, they're from like rival gangs. It's almost like yeah. a Romeo and Juliet kind of yes, bullshit, right? Yes. Okay. So Maria's brother is the head of the sharks. Yeah. And Tony used the to be sharks. in the jets. It's so Once you're a jet, you're a jet from the first day. <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh my so, God. Um, so they're, but Tony's not really in the gang anymore, right? But there's going to be a rumble between the jets and the sharks. And so Ooh, the main guy in the jets, who's Tony's best friend, his name's Riff. He gets killed by Bernardo, who is... Maria's brother and Tony's there and he gets so fucking upset he had tried to stop this whole rumble it didn't get stopped so then Tony grabs the knife and he kills Bernardo who is Maria's brother yeah no okay then Bad move, she yo. finds out she runs home she's in an apartment she's, like, <gasps> she's crying he's at the window climbing Tony's climbing in her window and she was like ah, murderer murderer killed my brother right okay and then he goes I know I just want to see you one more time before I, I'm gonna turn myself into the cops and she grabs him. Please don't leave me. They don't, don't, you can't leave me alone, right? What? They end up fucking. Oh, the, I don't think this was in the original. Oh, it is. It is in the original. Because when I watched it with my daughter over the summer, where she was like, um, he just kills your fucking brother. Yeah. I was like, bitch, what is going on right now? God, and it happens it. in this story too. Yeah. Like she's so in love with a guy she met 12 hours before. Yeah, no, that wouldn't That he happen. kills her brother no. and she's sleeping with him. And no. she like is going to run away with him. Like it is insane. I don't. I can't buy this no. bit of the story. No, and it's a classic, like music Broadway musical, and like I get all that, but it's like, yeah, no, it's, it's this whole damsel in distress, and yeah, 
you know, being swept away. But how know. is, can you ever imagine falling no. that quickly, that In hard? In 12 hours, no. I mean, no. what is this? No. It's bullshit. I, I agree. Update I don't like that it. story. Yes. Yeah. With the end of it, we walked out. My daughter said, I thought they would have updated that part. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's a little, I don't even remember that. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Oh my God. It's I mean, so, I was probably the music a kid. Is so, the music is so good. The dance numbers. <gasps> I forget love about choreography. It. Oh my God. It's so fucking good. Oh my God. I All right. My, okay. We'll start. I'll, I'll save it if we have time at the end. Okay. okay. Wait, I've got other things to talk about. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Um, has Yolanda mentioned me at all or no? Oh, I haven't talked to Yolanda Damn except it, for Tina. the fact that maybe we should all be going to see Bjork. What? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, maybe I was just wondering if she's mentioned me at all, but oh. I guess not. But Well, when I see okay. her next, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so we went to the Dolphin Democrats oh, holiday party goodness. on Wednesday, which was so much fun it was a lot of fun we looked hot as fuck i liked my <laughs> outfit you looked amazing so amazing cute. so cute and we got to dance oh tina it was so much fun and we did something new as a board was we agreed to hire some young people yes. to like work the table and they were awesome because we usually have to sit there for yes. hours and hours and do it and alfredo was like no no we should we should uh hire people and i was against it Yes. I was like, no, I said, how I'm going to have to end up sitting there. I'm with a train. I no. don't want to do this. These kids are sharp. These kids showed up. Yeah. They took the computer away from me and the girl was like, I, um, I can just keep doing this. And I was like, uh, yeah. oh, am I going too slow? So <laughs> it was Ella and Fernanda and Jordan. And these three were so fucking cool. Let they, me tell you something else. They all like know people in politics or yes. they worked in politics or they're they're in high school they are more informed than any i, I was just blown than away many adults. i have to incredibly say incredibly impressed by them i came home and i said to my husband i hope that my son yes when he is in high school i said that's what he needs to be doing he needs to be volunteering yes. for these groups that's what i want for him i yeah. want him to be involved and understand because these kids were they were you know teenagers so they were still you know teenagey but they were also just very mature, very oh. smart, funny, oh. lovely. 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 I got up to go do something and I came back and Fernanda was at my computer and she was like, I got it. You don't worry. And I was like, hmm, see you later. I know. I was <laughs> like, I think I'm going to go now too. Yeah. Bye. And then at the end of the night, we come back to the table and they, Fernanda said, we want to come on the podcast, <gasps> be on the podcast and be like politics through what? Gen Z. And I was like, what? You're yes, absolutely wait, fucking wait, doing. Oh, I've got, I've got I the contacts. You died. You were no. right there. <gasps> I missed that whole thing. Oh, she and her and Ella are like, we want to come on and we talk about like, politics through like the lens of yes. Gen, Gen Z. And I was like, hi, I said, come that's, on. I said, you're brilliant. Yes. You're coming on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. <gasps> Please, Tina. Okay. Well, I got. I asked Alfredo for some contact. I got Ella's email, so I'm going to send. Let's oh, do it. I told them to email us, but at this point, I'm like, I want them on to come on. Yeah. They, well, they are said incredible. They listen, so hi. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's it. how many people came up to you at that party and said they listened to the podcast. I know. I was tons. Surprised. Me too. But it, I'm also like, as people are saying it to me, I'm looking in their eyes and in my brain, I'm going, Have I talked shit about them or somebody that they know? <laughs> Why are they saying this to me? Da 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 da. Okay. Well, um, listen, this is what the show is. I know. Well, also, I wanted to mention <laughs> that at the party, I saw the lovely Brandy who works for oh, my super my secret boyfriend, God. Ted Deutsch. She was lovely. She's amazing. So sweet. So I just stood and there for probably. Dressed like 
cute, like so nice, always, always, always a, it's adorable, mean, beautiful outfit. Yeah. And she said, um, so, you know, I got to stare at her and talk to her about Ted Deutsch. She's telling me how great he is. I'm like, I need to hear this. I'm like, yeah, I know. And then she says to me that they have eight by 10, like headshots in the office that sometimes people like, she said, very rarely someone will call and be like, can I have a signed autograph picture of Ted Deutsch? And she's telling me this. And I, and I said, oh, we're like, she goes, I'm thinking, me, I'm thinking me. I should send this to you. And I'm like, um, what? can he put like two Hillary? She goes, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Can there be a heart? Can there be oh, a, please have a heart? Can he put his phone can number know, on the back of it? Can he do the TLF, true love forever? <laughs> can he add that to it, please, for the love of God? Randy, if you're listening, this is what this yes. is what I need. So she said this and I was staring at her like, if I get this picture, it's like, we'll be on my nightstand. <laughs> I will kiss it before I go to bed every night. She's so cool. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. And then someone walked up and I was like, guess who she works for? And I'm staring at them with these big eyes. And he's, he goes, Ted Deutsch. And I go, yes. <laughs> it's yes. no secret. It's yeah. no secret. Yes. Um, you're first. Yeah. <gasps> yes. Are you ready? I am so ready. Okay. Today. I'm going to tell you the story of the curious perennial candidate and former Orange Unified School District school board member, Steve Rocco. Mm. Steve Rocco began his political career with a mayoral run for Santa Ana City Council back in 2000. But it's his actions after winning a school board seat in Orange County that draw attention to this curious candidate. <gasps> this story is so fun and just, oh, let's do oh it. I'm excited. Oh my God. I okay. need it. So our story takes place in Orange County, um, home to Santa Ana. And that's where the county seat is, is actually that city. And it's Southern California, mm-hmm. home to Los Angeles. So yeah. it's that part of uh, the state. So I don't have a whole lot of background but most of his history that I was able to gather came from a 2004 USA Today article. And this article begins with the title recluse, hmm. right? It's like, the, 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 that's like the main word in it. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was interesting because like the word, you know, just implies someone who doesn't like to be around people. So it made me really curious as to why someone who is living this reclusive life would want to enter the political arena because that's anything but right. private, you right. know, like you are, everybody knows who you are. Right. So, um, that article talked about, uh, he was born in Italy, 1951. So Ooh. he's Italian, Yes. but he never revealed his party affiliation. And as the article revealed, he was, I mean, when, when I say he was pretty private, he was very, very private. So private that when he ran for mayor of Santa Ana in 2000, that was his first foray into Mm -hmm. politics, he didn't provide any information. Like, no information about his personal life, no job information, nothing. Like, Mm. basically, like, here's my name, I'm running for mayor, and that is it. He declined to offer it, and he showed up to, um, I want to say it was one forum, but when he showed up, he was donning, like, a camouflage outfit. What? And sunglasses. And it just made me laugh because... He's like a joke candidate. Yeah, it's like, who is this guy? And camouflage, like, when you're in, like, the forest, works. Yeah. But, but when it, you're out and open, it, you, beachy, it, draws, like, it draws more attention to you. Yeah, what are you doing? No. <laughs> what in the fuck? So two years after that, he ran in the community college district election and lost. And primarily for the same reason. Like, no one knew who he was. It was just, like, this name on the ballot, and he never showed up to anything. So it's like, who is this? I hate that so much. But then in 2004, Mm. he runs for school board. And that USA Today article makes it clear that even in this election, no one really knew him. In fact, 
The article says that while he was running, he ignored mail that came to him from the teachers union, (laughs) from the district, from the PTA. Uh, He was invited by the PTA to a forum, but the letter of request was returned unopened. Um, However, here's the thing. He did write a little bit about his personal background, and he just put educator and writer, right? So it's his name, educator and writer. And, but there was no proof of that. Like he just said, like, that's what he was. This is, this so, is a very odd story. It's so what odd. is going to happen? <laughs> I cannot figure out where we're going. So naturally folks in political circles start to wonder like, who is it? Like, you know how it is. Like we yeah. do this stuff and like we yeah. go to a forum, like, you, you know, there's questionnaires, there's all these things to like get to know the candidate. Yeah. Nothing like crickets. Like who is this dude? So weird. It's almost as if he doesn't want to win it's, though. Yeah. Well, so the president of the, of the teachers union then um, was Paul Pruss. And he had this to say about Rocco quote, absolutely nobody, but nobody has seen this guy. The whole thing is <laughs> well, just he's bizarre. In camouflage, Tina. I know he's hidden. He's <laughs> hidden. No one sees him. And he ends up winning the election. Wait, how? He ends up winning despite no one knowing anything about this guy or ever seeing him. He got 54%. Holy (gasps) shit, dude. He got 54% of the the vote. vote. And some people think that it's because it's an educator and writer. And he was up against a guy who was like a park ranger. And the park ranger was like involved in Boy Scouts and like community stuff. But they think like... You know, that could, because they couldn't understand, like, no one, and there were all these articles, then it was like, recluse wins, mystery candidate wins, and because no one knew who he was. Wow. So, I want to get into a little bit of his um, quirkiness. Okay. All right. So, he wins this seat, right? And Mm -hmm. naturally, the folks in the media want to at least speak to the winner of this election, (laughs) get some comment. They want to get a remark. They show up at his house and he doesn't answer the door. <laughs> like, Good. He doesn't accept any invitations uh, to be interviewed. So everyone's like, what is, is he even going to like get sworn in? <laughs> so the OC Weekly reported that, you know, everyone's worried. Like there's a swearing in ceremony. Like the guy's not going to show up. What do we do? Uh, but supposedly he called a radio station and God. said that he would be there to be sworn in. And like, sort of like this big show, like I'm going to be there, like very weird. Okay. Like, like just, like just answer your door. I don't know. Uh, all right. All right. So his time on the school board, Los Angeles times, Tony Barboza reported that Rocco did not communicate with his colleagues and would show up to the school board meetings in dark sunglasses at night. And he had this sort of signature outfit. It was a beanie, dark sunglasses, and like the camouflage. All right. What is like sitting what on is the school going board? on? Is this a joke? It's like a <laughs> massive joke. So one time, one of his neighbors, uh, Jesse Ocheo, speaking to Shao of OC Weekly, said that Rocco uh, tried to hide a shopping cart in his bushes once and told him that he hated Mexicans because they were illegal. And Ocheo what? was a citizen, and he said that the last time he saw Rocco, because like no one ever really sees him, he said that Rocco, quote, gave me the finger and said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes! Wait a minute. Because <laughs> people are, like, yeah. trying to get info on Rocco. They're talking to the neighbors. I, I, I don't know if I'm not supposed to like this guy or I'm supposed to fall in love with him. Is he single? I mean, what um, the fuck? Okay. Merry Christmas and the finger? So, Woo! supposedly. Talk dirty to me, sir. Supposedly, Rocco believed in a lot of conspiracy theories as well. And one of them, his big one, was about this group that he called the Partnership. 
Oh, no. And instead of doing school board business, he spent most of his time accusing school board members of being part of the partnership who were trying to have him assassinated. This is what's happening. What the hell? How the fuck did this guy get elected? (laughs) This is the thing. We need to to educate voters. Is is this a story that clearly no one knows what's happening? This is insane. So a show of OC Weekly reported that he even once put his hand in one school member's face and jabbed another with his finger while yelling at them about the partnership. Good grief. Yeah, out of control. So um, this uh, reporter show... I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but it's S-C-H-O-U, offers up some info on the partnership and Rocco's theories. So apparently, Rocco believes that there is this corporate conspiracy group running Orange County and running politics in Orange County. And the corporations in this conspiracy are Kodak, like the old camera company. Do they even exist anymore? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Smokecraft sausage. <laughs> That's hot. I can't. Camera sausage. And Albertson's. <laughs> the grocery store? <laughs> so God, I wonder what report- that can. There's got to yeah. be oh, some I'm going to tell of, you the like, connection. Weird- oh, okay. here it is. Okay. Show reported that back in 1980, Rocco got arrested for shoplifting a roll of Kodak film. Oh my God. I can't. I can't. Yeah, because this is like all at an Albertsons. Did he steal it at Albertsons? He did. It's like a smoke craft sausage at Albertsons. Yeah. He's he's got some weird. That's when he became aware of the conspiracy. Yeah. Okay. When he tried to steal these things. Yes. From the Albertsons. Yes. Okay, yeah. So in two thousand five everybody's out to get you. It's not you. Yes. It's it's these particular people are out to get you. Yes. So in two thousand and five, while a member of the school board, Rocco accused Albertson supermarket of trying to murder him 20 years prior and this occurred at a press conference wow and i mean he's an elected official so um the major incident now the major incident happened after his term as school board like they they tried to even like do a like get him out like it didn't happen but after he's a school board member but he's still running for a lot of other political offices so he's still in the political arena Wait, so he so he gets voted, he leaves the No, no, the like his award. term is, yeah. yeah. And then um, this happens in 2008. Okay. okay. He's still, like I said, running for those different offices. And um, here we go. Oh Our boy God. Rocco. Oh, my God. He Gina. gets embroiled in uh, what I, I'm going to call a condiment conspiracy. He supposedly stole a 14-ounce bottle of ketchup from Chapman University in 2008. What? <laughs> what is with him in the stealing? In 2009, he ends up facing a petty theft trial over this ketchup. So the ketchup, according to like reports, was worth about a dollar and twenty. What is a dollar twenty? And the trial was supposed to last about four days, but it was going to cost the city thousands of dollars for this dollar twenty bottle. Oh my god! And Barboza reported that the prosecutor wanted to strike this deal because it wasn't so much about the ketchup. It was more about his behavior, and they wanted him to say he would no longer go to the Chapman campus. So that's what they want, because he was just kind of like causing issues. Yeah. But he refused. So, in fact, Barboza writes that Rocco wrote up his own subpoenas for this trial, 50 of them. What? For witnesses to testify on his behalf. Over the ketchup bottle? <laughs> Over the ketchup bottle. It included the sheriff, the registrar of voters, journalists, and even a representative from the Heinz Corporation. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rocco. What is his deal? So, show of OC Weekly reported that one witness who no one really knew 
was this guy, Evan Harris, and he proclaimed Rocco's innocence with the ketchup theft. He wrote in a sworn statement, quote, I have never seen Mr. Rocco use condiments, sugar, salt, pepper, ketchup, etc. He states, I've never seen Mr. Rocco steal anything. Mr. Rocco was unlawfully convicted of shoplifting in 1981, referring yes, back to the other yes. one. Murders, drug running, public corruption, kidnapping occurred. It's been a long, long cover up. This is his witness. What? But no one knows who this guy is. Like, did he pay this guy to do it? You know, who knows? My God. Another a weirdo. Little, a little wackadoo. And I feel bad because I don't want to, you know, clearly there's a, a mental health issue here. And I don't Tina, please. want to make light of that or anything. But he's, you know, he was serving. He's, he's running for these public offices. So that can impact yeah. people, you know, outside of uh, his own realm. Yes. Okay. So he ends up getting charged with petty theft of a ketchup bottle. <laughs> and he... um at the time, he could have faced up to six months in prison, but they were going for probation and that ban from Chapman uh, University. Right. And the sentencing. So Orange County reporters Frank uh, Mikadit reported that Rocco got probation and a fine. I couldn't find how much the fine was. I couldn't find out if he was eventually banned from the university or if he just got probation. And the aftermath. Rocco just couldn't let this go. Oh. Right? So instead, He's his own worst enemy. He appeals the verdict. Oh my God. To, and he ends up getting himself a new trial. So apparently he had requested in the original trial to represent himself and he wasn't granted that. So in 2011, he got to do so. And the judge who allowed the retrial, Jackie Brown, Rocco hits her with a motion to disqualify her as judge because he believed she would be biased. Mm. And then Mika Deet reported that um, as in the first trial, Rocco had summoned witnesses. This time it was a retired investigator, one of Rocco's former attorneys, and a handful of public servants, like people from juvenile court, the clerk's office, uh, the deputy DA. Good Lord. So, and his former attorney, this guy named Fred Smoller, and the president of Chapman University, basically uh, Rocco accused the two of them as conspiring to uh, murder him. My gosh. And then in 2008, he ran for the Santa Ana Council, but lost. And then in 2012, he ran again and lost. So some points of interest, and these were so much fun. All right. So uh, like we talked about, he's elusive. People knew so little about him that the OC Register reported in 2004 that some people started claiming that Rocco was bigger than anyone could imagine. What? That he really was, in fact, someone famous and presumed dead and hiding out as Steve Rocco. And that person, Andy Kaufman. <gasps> that's what they started to say. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. It's so California, Dude, isn't it? That's so funny. <laughs> that would but, be hilarious. Look at this. Yeah. Rocco had a website, and it was called andykaufmanlives.com. And he claimed that he believed that Andy Kaufman faked his own death. And he provided in this. So it was like in this website, he kind so of like weird. alluded to that. Maybe he was Andy Kaufman. Maybe he oh wasn't. My God. But he, he definitely believes that. Andy, well, he believed at the time yeah. that Andy Kaufman was still alive. And he provided a Q&A with himself on this website. It was like, question. Answer. Question. Isn't this answer. hilarious that it's, he won't talk about himself with this subject? He has a yes, whole website about? He has a whole website. So, um, and it was modeled off of a pamphlet that he had printed that was called 
Hey, man. <laughs> oh, my God, Tina. All right, I want to read just one of the Q&As because it, there's so much more, but go to the notes and you can check it out. But yeah. um, question. So, Steve Rocco, if you believe that a fake death is as absolute as a real death and the artist formerly known as Andy Kaufman will not be returning, what's the point of AndyKaufmanLives.com? Oh, my God. Answer. The gold buried beneath your feet has no value until someone hands you a map. What? Yep. Oh, God. So Tina. His house had a gate, and in the front of the gate, he had an old Johnny Cash record was, hot. like, attached to the gate. That That's was hot. another thing. All right. Um, here's another thing. OC Weekly reported that his neighbors claimed to see him occasionally while he was out riding his bike or selling records at the local swap shop. Oh, my but God. the thing is, the records were labeled with a uh, property of local public library. <laughs> and supposedly... Wait, what? He stole it from the library? <laughs> he was arrested for stealing those records. He steals and he everything. Bl- and he blamed the partnership. <laughs> um, but when people would come up to buy the records, he would scream at them and he would yell, no bargains, don't touch, I'm watching you. And so no one could touch or buy them, but he would set up shop at the swap shop. What a fucking, it's, what it's the just, hell? Dude. He also published, uh, he had a self-published book mm-hmm. called R-O-C-C-O, Behind the Orange Curtain. So I feel like... It was like our period of... Yes. Oh, my God. And I feel like if we do another giveaway, we need to find this book, and that needs to be the giveaway. Please. So Show describes the book as um, illustrated with the solar system patterns throughout, and he would have entries that were about the daily temperature and, like, wind direction. Mm. And the book kind of outlines his theories about the partnership. And basically, he was claiming that uh, then Albertson's CEO's son was, quote, the largest drug dealer in the West and other, like, wild tales in this book. Dang. In 1987, Rocco was involved in an accident. He was riding his bike. He got hit by a truck. The driver takes him to the hospital and allegedly stole his bike. Rocco gets the bike back, but later on claimed it was the partnership who was trying to kill him. Oh, my God. And then the OC Register reported that in 2013, he tried to have Mayor Miguel Pulido recalled and then filed a restraining order against that mayor. And he basically believed that the mayor was out to get him. And he told the police um, that supposedly the mayor told the police to beat him up because I guess he got in an altercation with the police. So that's the story of the ketchup stealing candidate. Stephen Rocco. And he's still around. Yes. Okay, so he could possibly He might run for hear this. <gasps> I listen. I mean, he's interesting. He's definitely interesting. He's definitely interesting. I mean the partnership, I, I gotta come up with something every time I do something wrong and I get caught. Oh, and just like it wasn't me, it was the partnership. <laughs> they did it. Wow. Yes. What a way to get out of it. I everything. just I saw this and I oh, I Tina, started looking so into insane. it. I started looking into it more and more, and I was like, this is so, like, it's just like a fun, you know, There's it's the mischief. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, he didn't really do anything horrible, but no. it's, he's just. I love these candidates that just you know, run and they don't put any effort into it, and then they win. And then they win. Sorry, and then I mean, they win. why is he winning? Really, like, this, so the point of the story is nobody paying attention, you know, I guess. It's not, this isn't Stephen Rocco's fault. It's the voters who put him in. Definitely. What are you guys doing out there in OC? God damn. Hi, I'm Shannon. I'm Jamie. We're Married with Television, marriedwithtv.com. We are a couple of Hollywood normies on the outskirts of the film and TV industry, and we talk about our favorite TV shows, music, and movies, and sometimes they talk back to us. Sometimes they do. 
Our podcast is Married with Television, one word, on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Possibly Amazon, too. And we are a proud member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Married with TV. MarriedWithTV.com. Okay, today I am going to cover the longest serving U.S. political prisoner, Leonard Peltcha. Oh. And please forgive me if I'm saying it wrong. It's spelled P-E-L-T-I-E-R, but when I looked it up, that's how it was pronounced by a news, Peltcha. Peltcha. Listen, forgive us. Please forgive me. Yeah, forgive For us. For I have sinned. <laughs> forgive us our... It's been 20 years since my last <laughs> our, confession. Our mispronunciation yeah. trespasses. It's certainly not the worst thing I've done in the last 20 years. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, okay, so here we go. Oh, I just want to say Alfredo sent me the story. He wanted me to do this as the episode 100. And I was Aww. like, I love this story. Thank you very much, but I'll save it for later. So 102, that's where I'm at. Whereas yesterday I was like, I have no idea. I'm telling you yesterday at noon, I was like, I don't know what I'm covering tomorrow. <laughs> and Alfredo was like, you have not sent me a name. And I'm like, ah, oh, and I found this one in my, my archive. So let's get into this. Pelcha was born on September 12th, 1944 at the Turtle Mountain Indian Reservation of the Turtle Mountain, Chippewa near Belcourt, North Dakota, in a family of 13 children. Wow. Pelcha's parents divorced when he was four years old. Leonard and his sister, Betty Ann, lived with their paternal grandparents, Alex and Mary Dubois Pelcha, in Turtle Mountain Indian Reservation. So he is a Native American indigenous person. Yes. But 13... Anyone who I feel like has dropped more than like three, four kids, Mm -hmm. my God, like uh, they deserve some kind of something for what they have gone through. They, she certainly deserves to sit on a bucket of ice for the next 10 years Yes, and heal yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Take a break. Take a break. (laughs) Take a break. Isn't that from Hamilton? (laughs) (laughs) In the river. But how does that song go? There's a place I know. Oh, with somebody. I know. <laughs> yeah. Remember when I would sing Take Hamilton all the time? Yeah. Like last year. <laughs> because you and your kids are watching it 5,000 yes. times. Yes. It's so fucking good, though. Oh, now that reminds me of 5,000 from Rent. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> okay. We're so cray cray. Oh, fuck, I love that song. It's good. Okay. So in September of 1953, at the age of nine, Leonard was enrolled at the Wapaton Indian School in Wapaton, North Dakota, an Indian boarding school run by the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Oh. Leonard remained 150 miles away from his home at the Wapaton Indian School through the ninth grade. The school forced assimilation to white American culture by requiring the children to use English and forbid- forbidding the inclusion of Native American culture. I mean, the, the impacts of this is still today because there's all of these sort of dying tongues mm. and a lot of dying indigenous tongues because yes. they're not permitted to use them or, yes. um, you know, and, and, and language is part of culture. Yes. You know, so it's, it's stripping that away. But it's even really like terrible. In 1953, they're still trying to destroy and, yes. and assimilate these the indigenous people in this country i mean in 1953 yeah. they're still doing that which is what they did from the beginning yes they would take all of the children indigenous children Ugh. the white people and try to make them christian and try to teach them <sighs> i know it's fucked up man um we gotta cover that we gotta yeah. cover that maybe That's, we can I mean, do a 
yeah, because that's thing big. Together. That's, that's a, a big one. thing. The the coming in to the taking of the land, then also like because the there's Andrew Jacksons yeah, of it all. Cause, yeah, because uh, and because it's such it's a long span. It is, but I think you know writing that. I think that it'd or be a good or we idea. can look at like maybe Christopher each Columbus. of us can do like a significant event. Yes, let's do this. Ooh, okay. okay. Um, maybe the first of the year, maybe the beginning of season three. Okay. Okay. Uh, thanks for coming to our podcast <laughs> show meeting. <laughs> Hi. Hello. So, uh, uh, he graduated from that school in May, 1957 and attended the Flandreau Indian school in Flandreau, South Dakota. After finishing the ninth grade, he returned to the Turtle Mountain Reservation to live with his father and he eventually goes on to get his GED. So in 1965, he relocated to Seattle, Washington, and he worked as a welder, a construction worker, and he co-owned an auto shop in Seattle. This is all in his 20s. Wow. And the co-owners used the upper level of the building as a kind of like stopping place or a halfway house for um, American uh, or for indigenous folks who had alcohol addiction issues or had recently finished their prison sentences and needed to re-enter into society, right? Mm. So... It took a toll, though, the finances of, of running that halfway house on the shop below, right? Because they, so they had to close it down. They had to close down that shop. And okay. um, he gets involved in a variety of uh, causes championing Native American rights in this Good. country, civil rights, right? Good. And in the early 1970s, he learned about the factual, factional tensions um, at the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota between supporters of Richard Wilson, who had been elected tribal chairman in 1972, and traditionalist members of the Lakota tribe. Um, it was Dennis Banks who first invited Leonard Pelche, uh, Pelcha to join the American um, independent movement, right? I'm sorry, American Indian movement. So consequently, he became an official member in 1972, and he was and it was founded by urban Indians in Minneapolis in 1968 at the time of the rising of Indian activism for civil rights. So it becomes part of this group. And I don't want to say they're like the Black Panthers, but it's kind of that same kind of thing where it's okay, like so trying it's to fight for their own rights in this very racist country that okay. we live in. So um, Wilson had created, the guy who was elected the tribal leader, he had been he created his own like private militia known as the Guardians of the Ogala Nation. Um, and their me members were reputed to have attacked political opponents of him. Okay. So protests over a failed impeachment hearing of Wilson contributed to the American Indian movement, um, independent movement, or sorry, Indian movement, and the Lakota armed takeover of Wounded Knee at the reservation in February mm. 1973. Federal forces reacted, conducting a 71-day siege, which became known as the Wounded Knee Incident. Yeah. They, they demanded the resignation of Wilson, and Pelcha, however, spent most of the occupation in Milwaukee, Wisconsin jail. He was charged with attempted murder related to a different protest. So he starts getting in a lot of trouble. Okay. All right. And um, he had secured bail at the end of April, and he took part in another protest outside the federal building in Milwaukee and was on his way to Wounded Knee when the group, with the group to deliver supplies when the incident ended. So he wasn't there when this thing happened. Um, and he travels there, and he continues to fight against this violence against political opponents, right? The people who are trying to keep the traditionalist values happening in the, on the reservation and all these other political people who are rising up. So and there are factions within yes. the uh, Native American groups and yes. there are the traditionalists. There's people who want to be, um, I guess, move in a different direction. Yes. And so that's, that's the tension that's sort of building. Yes. Okay. So, and there's a warrant out for his arrest because, and he's considered a fugitive because he was charged with this one murder, which ends up going away. 
But he then he goes to the reservation. So he leaves this area where he was supposed to be hanging around because he had this charge on him, right? And he leaves. Okay. So uh, they end up catching him, and he was charged with unlawful flight to avoid prosecution for the attempted murder of an off-duty police officer, that, which was outside that federal mm. building. But he was ended up being acquitted of this charge in February 1978. Good. So let's get to the main incident. So, so, on, so okay, but he's acquitted with that, for that police officer because yes. he was not there, right. and they're just trying to pin it on him because he's sort of like the figurehead of whatever the movement he's that he's part in of. It. Yes, okay. yes. And tensions are building, like we said. So, yeah. so okay, so here comes this main incident of something that happens. Okay. On June 26, 1975, Special Agents Jack R. Collar and um, Ronald A. Williams of the FBI were on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation searching for a young man named Jimmy Eagle who was wanted for questioning in connection with the recent assault and robbery of two local ranch hands. Okay. okay. So Eagle had been involved in a physical altercation with a friend during which he had stolen a pair of leather cowboy boots. This is, this is the crime that the kid, this kid committed. He stole boots, right? Yeah. Allegedly. And so the FBI now comes looking This for is him. ridiculous. Which, and I think might also have to do with the fact that it's on an Indian reservation. Oh, so that like has to maybe be federal. local police can't come yeah, in. Yeah, maybe it has to be on a federal I level. I think that that's, that's what the That's deal one is. thing I was thinking about where you're talking about this is the laws mm-hmm. and how you would handle that. Yeah. They have, they probably have their own security, their own right. police force. Right? right. I know they do with Seminoles right. here. So I don't know, but the FBI, I think. So maybe, yeah. So maybe it's just federal level yeah. law enforcement. I think that's why. Okay. So at approximately 1150 AM, Williams and Collar, these two FBI agents drive two separate unmarked cars. These were spotted, reported and followed a red pickup truck that matched the description of this kid, this Eagle's truck, right? For a pair of boots. For a pair of boots. Give me a break. So soon after his initial report, Williams radioed to a local dispatch that he and Collar um, had come under fire from the occupants of the vehicle. Oh. So these people in the truck start shooting at what? them. What? And then he radioed that they were going to be killed if reinforcements don't <gasps> arrive. Like, somebody get the fuck out here, right? He next radioed that they had both been shot. Oh. <gasps> And FBI special agent Gary Adams was the first to respond to Williams call for assistance. And he had also come, but he had also come under gunfire. So he was unable to reach caller and Williams in time. And both agents died oh, within no. the first 10 minutes of gunfire. Oh no. Yeah. But why are they? I know for boots. For boots. Oh, please. So at about 425 PM authorities recovered the bodies of Williams and caller from their vehicles. And the FBI reported that Williams had received a defensive wound to his right hand as he had attempted to shield his face from a bullet that passed through his hand and into his head, killing him instantly. Williams received two gunshot injuries to his body and his foot prior to the contact shot that killed him and caller incapacitated from earlier bullet wounds had been shot twice in the head. Oh no. In total, 125 bullets were found in the agent's wow. vehicles, many from a 223 Remington rifle. The shooters took apart Williams' car and stole four guns belonging <gasps> to the agents. That that to me is like why would you even? If you're if the point is to get them off your trail, like shoot at the car a couple times, they just purposely killed these guys. Yeah, for over a pair of boots. And then and then went into the car and stole yeah. guns, like walked no, around no, the car, no. took Come on, but why bro. even? Like, I mean... I don't know. Like, why wouldn't you just get the fuck out of there? Yeah. Okay. I mean, but why even shoot over a pair of boots? You I know. know I mean? No, no, no. It's... And I get it. Like, There's I don't probably know... probably more happening, I don't know right? what the, the, the punishment would be. I, right. Like, I don't understand that part of it. And I, I'm sure that there would be fear about... There's a definite yeah, lack... Back. And there's a lack of trust. Yes. So I would get that, but... Mm. 
Okay, it's extreme. So it's extreme on totally, both ends. It's, totally. it's, it's extreme on, on the part of the federal agency to be chasing someone down for a pair of boots because it's going to cost a lot more money yes. than what the boots are even worth yeah. unless there is some other issue. Um, and then extreme on the other end to shoot someone down because they're coming after you for a pair of boots. Yes. I mean, they probably just, never expected it. Yeah. You know? Um, at least three men were arrested in connection with the shooting. Pelcha, our friend Leonard Pelcha, Robert Robidow. I'm going to say, <laughs> and Daryl Dino Butler. Oh, and but they were all, none of them are the Boots kid. No, no. Oh, so then these guys may have been up to something and thinking they're being chased down for something else. Well, let's get to this. Okay. So all of them are members of that um, American Indian movement and uh, were present at the Jumping Bull compound at the time of the shooting. So they were all on the reservation when the shootings happened, and that's kind of what it looks like why they're arrested, right? So Leonard Pelcha provided numerous alibis to several people about his activities on the morning of the attacks. Like he's like, I wasn't there in an interview with the author, Peter Matheson, um, in, in his book, in the spirit of crazy horse in 1983, Pelcha described working on a car in Ogallala claiming to have driven back to the jumping bull compound about an hour before the shooting started. And in an interview with Lee Hill, he described being awakened in the tent city at the ranch by the sound of gunshots. So, He's saying, so he's not I'm not around. there. Yeah. I wasn't there. So they just recognize the name and think that. Right. Like he's, he's arrested. Yeah. Right. And he's shooting at agents. He's and, in this and movement. And he had this uh, prior charge of shooting at an officer. Right, 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 right. And so they're already tainted against him. Absolutely. So on September 5th, 1975, agent callers three, 300, 308 or 38 rifle. I'm sorry. I don't know guns. I really, 38. 38 rifle and handgun um, and agent Williams handgun were recovered from an automobile in the vicinity of Butler's arrest location. The FBI forwarded a description of a recreational vehicle and the Plymouth station wagon recently purchased by Pelcha to law enforcement during the hunt for the suspects. So mm. why, why was that even brought up? Yeah. Why was his name? Why was his, why yeah. were his vehicles pulled into this? You know, did that doesn't make any sense. And um, so the RV was stopped by an Oregon state trooper, but the driver later discovered to be Pelcha fled on foot following a small shootout. So now he's on the run, right? Well, I mean, they're after him for killing federal agents. So he knows like this is do or die. I'm either going to get arrested for this or I have to get away. Right. So he tries to run. So um, his, both his thumbprint and agent collars handgun were discovered under his front seat, Mm. which does not look good for him. Okay. On September yeah, why 10th, does he have that gun? Right. On September 10th, 1975, um, member, the AIM, you know, American Indian Movement members, Robert Robideau, Norman Charles, and Michael Anderson were injured in the explosion of a station wagon on the Kansas Turnpike close to Wichita. What? And in that car, they also found uh, Agent Collar's rifle and an AR-15 rifle, which they said were, was, that was the gun that, an AR-15 was used in the shooting. Oh, so these were that's found why there's in all those burned vehicle. Yeah. So they were found in the burn vehicle. So we go to the trial. So on September. Well, who blew up the car? I have no idea. It's a good mm. question. I know. But they were on the run too. So on mm. December 22nd, 1975, Pelcha was named to the FBI top 10 um, most wanted fugitives list because he ran, remember? Yeah. And on February 6th, 1976, um, he was arrested at Robert Small Boys Camp along the Brazo River south of Hinton, Alberta in Canada. Um, in December 1976, he was extradited from Canada based on documents submitted by the FBI. Mm. Warren Almond, Canadian Solicitor General at the time, later, uh, who was the Solicitor General at the time, later stated that these documents contained false information. Oh, like they no. don't think he should have ever been extradited <sighs> out of Canada. Yeah. <sighs> 
So one of the documents was an affidavit signed by Myrtle Poor Bear, a Native American woman local to the area near the Pine Ridge Reservation. And while Poor Bear stated that she was Pelche's uh, girlfriend during this time and watched the killings, Pelche and others at the scene said that Poor Bear did not know Pelche <gasps> and was not present during no. the murders. So poor Is bear, she coerced into this? Well, so later she admits to lying to the FBI, but said that the agents interviewing her had coerced her into <gasps> making these claims above, mm. right? So when poor bear tried to testify against the FBI, the judge barred her testimony because <gasps> of mental incompetence. Well, but they're still going to keep the original right. one? Come Which on. is so that, Well, then that doesn't make That's any right. sense. That's right. So he fought oh, this extradition, no. but he was uh, uh, extra, extradited to the United States. In the meantime... Robido and Butler, the other two that were arrested for this for the yes. murder, they were acquitted on the grounds of self-defense by a federal judge, Whoa. a federal jury in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So oh. these two are held because they had been arrested and he was on the run. Yes. Our, our friend Pelcha. So these he didn't two get go to on have trial, trial together. Oh, right. They no. go on trial together and they get right. So he's gotta now come back and get on trial alone. Right. And but this can, trial, but can the attorney say the other two involved got acquitted and right. But this trial looks a lot different than the other, the other trial. So we're going to talk about how, what they did differently in this oh, trial. No. So his trial was held in Fargo, North Dakota, which hi, that's one of the best movies. Fargo. Ever. Yeah. Um, where a jury convicted Pelcha of the murders of Collar and Williams. So he gets tried and he gets found guilty alone. Yeah. Okay. So unlike the testimony in the trial for Butler and Robido, the jury was informed that the two FBI agents were killed by close range gunshots uh -oh. to the head when they were already defenseless due to previous gunshot wounds. So that doesn't look good for him. No. Then it says, consequently, Pelcha could not submit a self-defense testimony that may have resulted, resulted in acquittal, right? Like it doesn't look like self-defense if he's walking yes. right up to this car. Yes. So he can't use that. The jury was also shown an autopsy and crime scene photographs oh, of no. the two agents, which had not been shown to the jury in Cedar rapids in the first trial with the first two guys yeah, so the prosecutors are like what did we do wrong in that trial yeah, let's do it now we're gonna do it all it. yeah here. yeah so in april 1977 pelcha was convicted and sentenced to two consecutive life sentences wow. so numerous doubts have been raised over pelcha's guilt and the fairness of his trial based on allegations and in inconsistencies regarding the fbi and prosecution's handling of this case mm. several key witnesses in the initial trial have recanted their statements and admitted they were made under duress at the hands of the FBI. These are two of their agents have been murdered. Yeah, so they want someone to go down for it. That's right. So they're not going to let this fucking yeah, go. No. Um, and at least one witness had was given immunity from prosecution in exchange for testimony against oh, Pelcha. Well, there you go. So Pelcha was convicted in 1977, largely on the evidence presented by three witness affidavits, all signed by Myrtle Poor Bear, that placed him at the Ugh. scene of the shootout and contended that Pelcha planned his crimes. And Poor Bear claimed to be his girlfriend at the time, which we talked about, and later admitted that she never personally knew him. Can't they talk to the two that were um, acquitted because they can't be tried again? Again for that mm. and ask was he present i don't know maybe they've given maybe they've you know? given a, an or, affidavit that would be that would might that might help him yeah. the so she was the this poor bear like i said before she's mentally unstable and the fbi was like well we're not going to have her come and testimony in this trial because testify in this trial because she's unfit right so she doesn't even come and talk at his thing um 
but her previous affidavits were submitted as evidence yeah, in, in it's this ridiculous. trial. It's ridiculous. Um, two other witnesses uh, whose testimony was used to place Pelcher at the scene of the crime also later re- recanted. They alleged that the FBI had coerced and threatened them by trying uh, tying them to chairs, denying them the right to talk to an attorney, and otherwise intimidated them. Mm. FBO, F, I'm sorry, FBI radio intercepts indicated that the two FBI agents, Williams and Collar, had entered the Pine Ridge Reservation in pursuit of a, of a suspected thief in a red pickup truck. The FBI confirmed this claim the day after the shooting, but red pickup trucks near the reservation had been stopped for weeks. And Leonard Pelcha did not drive a red pickup truck, right? Like, why was he... Like, again, why was his vehicle dragged into this? Evidence was given that Pelcha was driving a Chevrolet Suburban, a large station wagon-style sedan built on a pickup truck chassis with an enclosed rear section. Pelcha's vehicle was orange with a white roof, not a red open tray pickup truck with no white paint. (sighs) Um, At Pelcha's trial, the FBI changed their previous statements that they had been in search of a red pickup truck <gasps> and instead said that they were looking for an orange and white no, van. No, you can't do that. Similar to the one Pelcha drove. You can't do that. This contradictory statement by the FBI was a highly contentious matter of, of evidence in the trial. This is insane. Though the FBI's investigation... Let me just erase that and <laughs> yep, write yep. in what the, this other thing. That's so... That, no. I know. It's really... <laughs> he's like, still in prison, Dina. Like... <gasps> The FBI's uh, investigation indicated that an AR-15 was used to kill the agents. Several different AR-15s were in the area at the time of the shootout. Also, there was no other uh, cartridge cases or evidence that them that they that they offered to the prosecution's office. Although there was other bullets fired at the crime scene, like there was no other. Yeah, but can't they do like the whole ballistics and and look at did it come from this gun during the trial? All the bullets and bullet fragments found at the scene were provided as evidence and detailed by Cortland Cunningham, FBI's uh, firearms expert. So years later, a request under the Freedom of Information Act prompted another examination of the FBI ballistics report used to convict Pelcha, and an impartial expert evaluated the firing pin linked to the gun that shot Williams and Collar and concluded that the cartridge case from the scene of the crime did not come from the rifle tied to (gasps) Pelcha. Come so on. at the time, the so ballistics expert match. said yes. And right. later on, then when they looked at it, they're like, no, that's not right. the same. That's so nice. this was all another a key facet of the prosecution's case against, you know, evidence yeah. against Pelcha. Oh, God. And he's been sitting in, in jail mm-hmm. and he's still there. Yes. Oh. So uh, this is kind of a little... This is kind of, I mean, it's kind of funny, but not funny. But anyway, he um, begins to serve these sentences in 1977. And on July 20th, 1979, he and two other inmates escaped <gasps> from Federal Correctional Institution okay. in Lompoc. Um, one inmate was shot dead by a guard outside the prison. Oh, no. And the other was captured 90 minutes later, approximately like a mile away. Pelcha remained at large until he was captured by a search party three days later Aww. near Santa, Ma- Santa Maria, California. Dang after it. a farmer alerted authorities... That Pelcha had consumed some of his crops for food. Oh, <laughs> come on. Let the guy go. <laughs> He's hungry, goddammit. Yes. Um, so he gets oh. put back in prison and he gets like, I think, two years added to his sentence. Yeah, or something I mean, it's like a consecutive that. life. I mean, it already doesn't in matter. There. Yeah. So uh, there's been a lot of support for him to get clemency. And, yeah. What and, about the Innocence Project? Well, there's lots of groups that have like yeah. tried to bring attention to this and talk about it. And so. Pelcher's conviction sparked great controversy and has drawn criticism from a number of prominent figures across a wide ri- range of disciplines. In 1999, Pelcher asserted on CNN that he did not commit the murders and that he had no knowledge who shot the FBI agents, nor knowledge implica- implicating others in the crime. And he had described himself as a political prisoner, right? Uh. 
Numerous public and legal appeals have been filed on his behalf. However, due to the consistent objection of the FBI, none of the resulting rulings have been made in his favor. Mm. His appeals for clemency received support from world-famous civil rights advocates, including Nelson Mandela, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and Reverend Jesse Jackson, um, Tenzin uh, Gyatso, who is the 14th Dalai Lama, the Nobel Peace Prize laureate and activist Rigoberta Menchu, and Mother Teresa. International government entities such as the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner on Human Rights, the United Nations Working Group on Indigenous Populations, the European Parliament, the Belgian Parliament, and the Italian Parliament have all passed resolutions in Pelcha's clemency. Well, what's going on then? Let's do this. Moreover, several human rights groups, including the International Federation of Human Rights and Amnesty International, have launched campaigns advocating for Pelcha's clemency. In the United States, the Kennedy Memorial Center for Human Rights, the Committee of Concerned Scientists, Inc., the National Lawyers Guild, and the American Association of Jurists are all active supporters of clemency for Pelcha. Wow. Lawyers. I right? mean, he's been in jail now. When He was born in the 50s. Yeah. He's been in jail longer than he was ever out of jail. Right, right. That's, that's, this is terrible. Yeah. Terrible. And the police officer that arrested Pelcha in Canada, quote, he said, quote, was, he was, quote, extradited illegally, and he didn't get a fair trial in the United States, unquote. Wow. So he's been denied clemency and being pardoned. Every president from Bill Clinton to Donald Trump has denied a pardon or clemency to Leonard Pelcha. Donald Trump, he he pardoned everybody under the sun. You can't pardon this guy? Bill Clinton said no. George W. Bush said no. Uh, All right, Biden. Barack Obama said no. Biden, Donald Trump said turn. no. Now we're here on the fifth president. Because they, they don't want to go. They asking. don't want to go against the FBI. That's exactly what it is. That's what I wrote. My yeah. next thing was I think it has a <laughs> lot to do with more that FBI agents were murdered yeah. than this guy's innocence. Yeah. Right? Because what are you saying then? Yeah. Oh, you don't care about the FBI right. and, and or, the president. But, but we see police make mistakes all the time. Yes. And so you're going to say FBI agents can't make a mistake? I know that the that that the it was everything yeah, was high so long we're, ago. we're so flying long high ago. and our friends were just murdered on this yeah. reservation this is awful but that means an innocent man stays in jail for the rest of his life come it's on it's not right it's not fucking right how about go find the people who actually did it how about that <sighs> so uh just a little last side note is that he has run for president of the united states for <gasps> I prison i didn't know that which i thought you would like yes. because of your friend what's his name dobbs debs debs yes okay um so he he was the pre- the candidate for the Peace and Freedom Party in 2004 oh. for election for president. While numerous states have laws that prohibit prison inmates uh, convicted of felonies from voting, the United States Constitution has no pro- uh, prohibition against felons being elected to federal office, including president. Oh, my God. <laughs> USA. Yes. USA. Yes. Um, the Peace and Freedom Party secured ballot statuses for Peltier only in California, but Aww. still, that's kind of that's kind of fucking. I cool. like what's the name of this? It's the Peace and Freedom. Yeah, I kind of like that. Can Me this too. be my? Can we, why don't we make this the party? Fuck, I'm here for this. Yes, forget these other. He two received twenty seven thousand six hundred seven votes. Good for him, which is amazing. But it's like point two percent of the vote <laughs> in the state. Who gives a hey. fuck? It's something. In twenty twenty, he ran as the vice presidential presidential running mate of Gloria Lariva on the ticket of the party for socialism and liberation in the presidential yes. campaign. Look at all these. This these are great parties that he belongs yeah. to. How about that? Amazing, right? Yeah. All right. Well, that is Leonard Pilcha. Wow. That's a shame. That's a fucking sad story, bro. My God. I mean, he's got to be in his late 60s. He's going to be in his 60s now. Wow. I know. Yeah, not right. What what can we do? I wonder if the the Innocence Project, you know, can get involved. 
And I wonder too, is a lot of the evidence is based on pe- what people said yeah. or like gun evidence, but you think that kind of stuff, you can throw that out. Then what, what are we talking yeah. about here? You know, if, if everybody's recanting their statements, yeah. like, can't we get rid of this? This doesn't make sense anymore. Mm. And he's an old man now. Yeah. Let him go. I don't know. Oh my God. Tina. <gasps> I know. So what else is going on? Can you believe that we have recorded now 102 episodes? No, I cannot believe it. It's exciting. It is very exciting. And now we have, we're we're creeping up on our third year (gasps) making the podcast, which is fucking cool. I was so excited. I was thinking about that this morning. It's like amazing. Oh, and I also want to say that you are amazing. (gasps) Me? Yes. Why? Because you have been going through so much this year and you are just so amazing so incredible i love oh, you so much God. you are just strong and vibrant and fun and i love you oh and i feel like this year coming up it's you know it's still gonna there's you know nothing's ever perfect no but you know you're you're making it through and it's gonna be amazing oh my gosh well i mean I, how can i not make it with wonderful people like you in my life oh. honestly you're the best it was a rough fucking week though yeah. Oh my God. This week just sucked. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the holidays coming up. I talked to my brother the other day and he's like, why don't we just cancel Christmas? Like, what are we doing? And I'm like, you know what? Like what? we should. <laughs> That's what I did with Thanksgiving. I canceled Thanksgiving and yeah, was like, Bye. It's just, you know, it's a lot of stress wrapped up in everything. It's too much. It's too much. And then I, I, we were just saying a few minutes ago, like I haven't done any Christmas shopping. No. I've done zero. I've done zero. I have, I have bought myself some things, but I didn't buy it for anybody else. I have some things done. Yeah. Something trouble. for you is coming in the mail. Really? <gasps> oh, I got to get Tina a present. Just kidding. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's I'm very excited. And I got, um, I got my husband. So yeah, I told you that we banned, we don't do Amazon, Amazon and now Kellogg's God banned bless. Kellogg's too. Yeah. And all the, and then it's like so many products are under oh, Kellogg's. I'm I like, know. dang, my veggie burgers that I like, I can't do oh, them no dang more. Dang it. But, You're so good. Uh, You're very good at this. Oh my God. But so it's really hard mm-hmm. to shop when I used to like, oh, I'll just, I'll just go on Amazon yeah. real quick and I'll get it. And so, I mean, cause last year because of the pandemic, I did everything on Amazon yeah. and boom, it all came. It was easy. And yeah. now I'm like, oh my God, I got to like, if I got to order now because it's not yes. going to come on time or I got to go here. Oh, and I'm like, the worst. I know. So oh, yeah, well. this is going to be the last Christmas like we're all in the house together, which is weird. Like we went to get the Christmas tree and all, all in my head, I was thinking this is the last time we're going to get a Christmas tree together. This is the, which think, I think is what my kids are yeah. thinking. You know what I mean? Cause my son was super into decorating Aww. and he got a little bit, it was a little too much where I was like, my back was hurting. Cause I, I fucking fucked my back up picking up all this equipment last week. I don't know what I did to oh, my no. back, but I like pulled it up. Like I oh. didn't, I didn't use my legs. You know, you're supposed to use yes. your legs. Anyway. He was so fucking excited to like set everything up Yay. and like, you know, it was really cute. Aww. I'm like, they're going to get double the presents this year. Fuck it. We're yes. going gonna to go all out. Go Forget all it. out. Make it amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Uh, I know. Well, I appreciate your support. I mean, I've, I try to be positive, but I'm really like, I'm scared and terrified and sad. Like it's yeah. all really sad, but it ended last week in a really good way that I feel like we're moving forward in a positive way. Like, I think we're finally yeah. in a place where it's like, oh shit, we're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It'll yeah. be amicable yeah. and you know, there's still stability. Yes. So I think, and, yeah. and the kids, your kids are amazing. 
They're pretty. They're pretty great kids. I yeah. mean, I can't complain. They're both do, still doing well in school. Like I got to tell you, that's the rough part for me. It's yeah. Like, how are they going to handle this? But we'll see. Let's check back in in six months. We'll okay. see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my god. All right. This is going to be a great week. I got roller skating this Ooh. week. I have therapy this week, and I have karaoke. What, oh bitch? My what? God. I will see you at karaoke okay. on Friday. Um, bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Thank you.